to remove my stitches last night. Yourself? Yeah. Well, I told the doctor I could do it. And, um, but I forgot to do it. I was supposed to do it like a week ago. Oh, boy. And it's way harder once, uh, once you get to this point. So uh, that charming tale. Yeah, it didn't go well. Coming up. Um, also, the uh, Army's new fitness standards, which are really interesting, why they've adopted them. And this is a step in the right direction, you think, as opposed to one of those watering it down, making it too easy things? It, it would seem so, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, but first, let's talk about the royal shakeup in Saudi Arabia, major developments in that pivotal country. And to discuss that, we've imba- invited back to the Armstrong and Getty Show a gent we haven't talked to for some time, uh, Ambassador Faisal al Istrabadi. Um, whose uh, background is extensive and impressive. He was a former Iraq ambassador to the U.N., aided in writing the uh, Iraqi Constitution. He's currently the director of the Center of the Study of the Middle East at Indiana University. Uh, Professor, how are you, sir? It's a pleasure to be back with you. I hope you're well. well we are indeed. Uh, a quick personal note, if I might, my teenage daughter, uh, who really enjoyed our previous discussions about Iraq and the Middle East, uh, is now off to college at a prominent Eastern University studying international relations and that sort of thing, partly because she uh, enjoyed our chat so much. So, uh, th- well, Congratulations. Uh, congratulations. You must be very proud, and I wish her all the best. Oh, no, I wanted her to be a radiologist. I'm, I'm angry at you. <laughs> I well, that would come in a little more handy, you know, considering uh, the surgery you were just talking about. <laughs> right, right. Hey, scale one to ten, how big a deal is this Saudi Arabia thing? Uh, I think it's uh, maybe approaching an 11. Uh, wow. I think a big deal. I mean, it's a uh, because it's uh, it's not just an internal domestic shakeup. It comes as a part of a uh, larger sort of regional, um, really almost a realignment or at least a this is the first time in Saudi Arabia's history that it is, uh, uh, you know, almost not quite 100 years that it is taking on a major major regional role directly engaging in armed conflict um, somewhere in the region. It's not just funding somebody. It's actually been bombing Yemen for two years, and the way they're talking, they're getting ready to escalate. And, and And I'm sorry, I know you're trying to get another question, but while this is happening, he's got this complete shakeup of the royal family in a way that's never been done in Saudi Arabia. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, for folks who don't follow this stuff like we do, what did he do? Well, uh, he shattered the illusion or something, the facade, that's a better word, the facade that the Saudi royal family has successfully maintained since the 1930s. Um, that uh, it's all one big happy family where disputes are resolved behind the curtains and nobody ever knows what's going on. We have 11 uh, senior members of the royal family have been arrested on corruption charges, Um, senior members of the royal family and the Saudi establishment. Some of them aren't technically royals, but they're cabinet ministers. We have senior business leaders of major international corporations arrested on similar charges. We have the youngest son of a former king who would be, therefore, a cousin of the crown prince uh, who was killed in an exchange with uh, police uh, while they were trying to execute an arrest warrant on him. 
this kind of thing just doesn't happen in Saudi Arabia. Uh, shadows fall on people. Their careers fail to progress. They're maybe removed from a senior government position and allowed to retire comfortably wherever but not this kind of direct uh, assault. This has never happened in Saudi Arabia. Mind you, they deposed the king once, but they didn't do it this way. Hmm. And now, so the guy that it looks like is going to be in charge, a young guy in his 30s, you mentioned the war in Yemen, their, their first actual um, themselves going to war with another country. Some people are referring to it as Saudi Arabia's Vietnam because they're kind of bogged down and what are they exactly trying to accomplish? And he's the guy, the guy that's now in charge that arrested everybody, he's the guy that launched the war, so he's all for it, right? Yes. Uh, he has, uh, his father is the king, he's the crown prince. Uh, he uh, was given the portfolio, he's also the defense minister, and he was given the portfolio for the economic reform of the country. Uh, and now he is taking on the political establishment of the of the family itself and their important supporters outside the family, while at the same time taking on the conservative religious establishment in Saudi Arabia. And as to the latter, I think somebody finally needs to do that. I'm glad he's doing it. But the point is, uh, he is taking on everybody at the same time, while he is also uh, potentially going to raise the heat, uh, the heat level in the Middle East with respect to Iran, which is what the Yemen thing has been all about. Uh, yeah, just in on... the last 24 hours, they called that lobbing of a missile by the Houthi rebels a, a, an act of war by Iran, so that could get exactly. pretty hot pretty quickly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so he, you know, some an acquaintance of mine tweeted, uh, an expert on the Middle East who works at one of the think tanks in Washington, tweeted that uh, he's in basically sort of six confrontations right now as we speak. Um, and he's got to thread the needle pretty well uh, to survive unscathed on the other end because he's he's combining a lot of forces against him at the same time. So this Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, what do you think of him? How, how do you like the cut of his jib as a reformer, a modernizer? Well, uh, I hope he's a genius because uh, he has taken on a huge portfolio, uh, and for somebody with you know of necessity limited experience. Uh, it's it's a bit of a problem. Um, I like some of the things he's doing. He is modernizing the economy. He has to do that because the oil economy is ultimately unsustainable. We will reach a day when the world no longer uses oil, even though the U.S. is sort of trying to put that day as far back as it can. The rest of the world's moving on. By 2030, countries in Europe, certain countries in Europe, and I think England is one of them, and France maybe, you, you, you won't be able to buy an internal combustion engine, supposedly 2030 or maybe 2040, I can't remember now. But anyway, in the lifetime of this young man, um, there will be countries in Europe where you can uh, no longer buy an internal combustion engine, supposedly. Um, so he needs to move beyond oil. Uh, he said that I think he's right. The problem when you get somebody that young is that is the impetuosity of youth, and also I think uh, he has a lack of experience, which is what I think gives you a kind of a strategic vision. And the, uh, the problem connected with that is that his advisors also seem to be his same generation. So the old guard is being thrown overboard. And the new guard is literally that, new and young. And that worries me. The Middle East is a very complicated place. The uh, the old guard, the old religious conservative guard is not going to go away quietly. This could get very, very ugly. 
No, as Dylan Thomas said, uh, they will not go gentle into that good night. And it would be enough for him to take on his own family first, the senior royals, or to take on the old religious guard, which, let me say again, needs to be taken on. They're, in my opinion, responsible for a hell of a lot of misery in the Middle East with their misinterpretation, in any, my view, in any case, their interpretation of Islam. Having said that, had he taken on one or the other, by itself it would be daunting. Taking them both on at the same time, um, that takes guts. Whether it's wise, we'll find out after the fact, but it sure takes guts. It's a young man in a hurry, and that doesn't always end well. Ambassador Faisal al-Istrabadi, I wish we had more time, but it's limited. I hope we can stay in touch. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you again. It's a pleasure, and any time, I'm, uh, I'm always pleased to talk to you. All right, thanks. Thanks a million. Well, not everybody's always pleased to talk to us. Uh, well, that's good to hear. Oh, amen to that. Most people. Um, that's This is a story. I'm telling you, no matter how into or not into international relations you are, put this one on your your uh, your queue, as they say in the Netflix business. Follow this one. Oh, it yeah. could be crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm super could into it. could be crazy good. But I'm not buying y'all's. Boy, all you people, you're always talking about this guy's going to be a reformer, that guy's going to be a reformer. I've been, how many times have I heard that my whole life, about the various Chinese guys or people are taking over different countries, and they almost never turn out out to be you're a cynical man well that's just my life experience the new guy in egypt was he's gonna reform yeah okay oh always the new guy in china is gonna be the reform okay um it just this never happens i'm disappointed with myself how late in life it 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 occurred to me that to reform something is usually you know we think oh he's gonna make it better no it'll just be a different form he's going to reform it or clamp down harder right yeah i'm a reformer i'm gonna make it worse yeah. And yeah, it happens. We'll see. Although the fact that this guy is taking on the old guard Wahhabi Muslims that finance all the terror and misery in the world is, number one, ballsy as all get out. And number two, desperately needed. <laughs> ballsy as all get out. So I, uh, I I wish him well. Did you hear what everybody, where everybody's locked up? The world's most luxurious prison. The yeah. Ritz-Carlton, one of the fanciest hotels on earth, is where they've got everybody in prison. Hey, I'm corrupt, too. Yeah, exactly. I'm corrupt as hell over here. How do you get that, that gig, <laughs> calling right. room service from your, your suite? Well, and just so you know, I don't Do you care? If you care, you probably already know. Like a lot of Mid-Eastern societies, what we call, quote-unquote, corruption is exactly the way that society has functioned for hundreds of years. Like, you try to eliminate, quote, corruption in Afghanistan, all the village elders are saying... Well, how are we supposed to do business? That's the only way business happens here, is you grease a palm, et cetera, et cetera. So what do we do now? But we've been so, selling... so you can accuse anybody of corruption in these societies. We've been selling them arms forever. They're, they're as well-armed as anybody. Mm-hmm. So, And uh, like I said earlier, there's a story that uh, Kushner was over there a couple of times talking with this young dude, young Jerry, Jerry Kushner, mm-hmm. Ivanka's husband. And was there uh, up and late in the night, just the two of them talking. Mm. There's a couple of young, early 30s power brokers. Young firebrands. Exactly. Mm. Ready to take on the world. Who knows where this is going? Who knows? Dang sand countries. Will they ever settle down? And a a lot of people have been expecting the big showdown between Iran and Saudi Arabia for, you know, decades. I think it might be on. It might be on soon. That's going to be something to watch. Woof.
Oof. You got fathead ooching around in North Korea as well. Speaking of regional conflicts, it's too much. New York Times going after lawyer David Boys over this whole Harvey Weinstein thing. This is just yeah, breaking. Yeah, they should. They ought to bust his balls. This is breaking in the last hour. It's kind of interesting. And then you're going to tell us about how fit you got to be to be in the military? Oh, and I'm going to drop and give you quite a few. Okay. Mm. Awesome. Joe's going to show us he's fit enough to join the military. Give you a little breathing room. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We didn't come for money. When I was six years old, I broke my leg. And I was running from my brother and his friends. And tasted the sweet perfume of the mountain grass I rolled down. A prankster in New York this past weekend threw yellow dye into the fountain at Lincoln Center. Even weirder, someone in New York threw trash into a trash can. Hey, now. That's a you-gotta-be-a-New-Yorker joke, I guess? It was the absolute worst night of late-night jokes since I've been scanning them for, for gems for this very fine morning show. I don't know mm. what happened. All of them were just awful. I wonder if there wasn't, like, because Trump's in, your, uh, in Asia, I wonder if there, like, wasn't the Trump thing and they're just out of practice yeah, I was going to say, every single joke, the punchline is Trump's an idiot or a racist, and their muscles have atrophied. I it's wonder. possible. I mean, because we've had that problem before where, um, uh, well, like after the elections, like, how did we <clears throat> used to put the show together That's when right. <laughs> we didn't talk about the election every day? So, yeah, it happens. Um, and we were uh, discussing during the commercials, um, and in case you're you're not hip to this, because maybe you're not, if Saudi Arabia and Iran go to war with each other, which a lot of people have been afraid of for decades. And it's already a proxy war, so they're kind of already it, at it. And it might be more likely now than any time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be full-on World War, World war Three. Well, we would absolutely back the Saudis. Russia would jump in with Iran. I don't know what China would do. but And, and Israel. Israel would say, yeah, chance to bomb Iran. And they'd be more than happy to help on the Saudi side. It would get ugly fast. It, it certainly could. I think it'd probably be a proxy war for a long time. We'd supply guns, bombs, and advisors to the Saudis while they're trying to beat the hell out of Iran. God, I don't know how long that would last if it was just Russian jets bombing Riyadh before we'd be fully involved. It used to be Iran would never be in a position to do that sort of thing by, because they were countered by a heavyweight on their border, name of... Can't think of it. Big black mustache. Uh, oh, yeah. Saddam freaking Hussein. Uh, so I hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, this this young guy and what happened on Saturday night with him arresting all those people will be the Archduke Ferdinand moment of World yeah. War Three. The crown prince. Yeah. Right. Right. Michael, you know what we need right now? Transition music. Awesome. <laughs> We're still talking about the military. That's good stuff. I want to hear a little more of a verse. Here we go. I do not remember what we were talking about. I don't remember my own name. So for the longest time, the Army had, 
you know, a, a barbell lift, a sprint with 40-pound kettle ball, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm sorry, that's some of the new stuff, but they've had the same fitness test and the same fitness standards for a very, very long time. And they they decided somehow, they studied it, that the existing test, which the soldiers take twice a year, is about 40% predictive of are you strong enough, uh, agile enough, flexible enough to do the things you need to do in battle? It, that's not very good. 40%. You might find a large number of your guys are too weak or whatever. Well, they have a new fitness regimen and test that they say is 80% predictive of whether a soldier complete can complete tasks necessary for combat. And uh, does everybody, because I know, I know back in the day, everybody had to complete this stuff even if you're going to be a file clerk. Yeah. So is that still a good idea? Well, I think there are sliding scales based on your age and your... your uh, there definitely is for age. I, I know that for a fact because my brother your rank. does that. But like, if you're going to be a computer programmer and fly drones with a joystick, why do you need to be able to do a certain number of push-ups? And why would you want to weed out somebody who might be really good who can't do the push-ups? I wonder how that's going to work going forward. Know. That's a really interesting question. It's not the one I'm prepared to deal with. <laughs> It's worth mentioning tens of thousands of soldiers can't be deployed because of injuries, many caused by poor physical fitness. So um, here is here is the new stuff. Each soldier lines up behind a row of barbells with weights ascending from 125 pounds to 425 pounds. Each soldier picked up a weight and performed three deadlifts which is just lifting it to your waist, right? Is that what a deadlift is? Yeah. So with your legs straight? Um, yeah, you have to, obviously, you bend them to pick it up, but then you, yeah, you have to have your legs straight and you have to hold it up. The second event was a reverse throw of a 10-pound ball measured for distance. What's a reverse throw? Is I, that a catch? I was just going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not throwing it forward, it's throwing it, I don't know. What is a... The seemingly awkward motion serves a purpose. It mimics a boosting move that's a, quote, I'm quoting now a colonel in the Army, exactly how we get people into buildings. So that'd be like throw it over my shoulder, like I'm. you're putting your foot in here and I'm lifting you up that on that would be a reverse throw. You're like throwing it from in front of your belly to behind you over your shoulder. Right, good call. I'll bet that's right. So you got the deadlift. You got the 10-pound ball that you heave for distance. Then it's time to do push-ups, but in Marshall like this, because he clearly laid down between his push-ups, violating the rules of the contest. Michael, am I right? You are correct, Thank you, Michael. Some might disagree with that assessment. Uh, Yeah, some were liars. The proposed (laughs) new push-up requirement requires lowering all the way to the ground and extending one's arms all the Ah, way. Come on, that's literally getting hysterical here. And extending one's arms in a T between repetitions. What? Like you're lying flat on the ground with your arms out. Oh, God. Okay, wait, then, slow down. Then so this is the new push-up? Yes. So I go down, which I can just collapse my arms and fall. Yeah, there are probably Gra- rules. But... Gravity will take its take its toll. Yeah. So then I stick my arms out. Right. I'm, not, I'm not coming back from that. That's when I just turn my head to the side and fall asleep. <laughs> well, you would fail because but, there are time limits. And then you put your arms back in back front Back in push-up position, then you do a push-up, and then you go down again, all the way down, then you spread your arms out in a key position again. Wow. The T push-up is easier to monitor in testing, Army leaders say. 
Uh, this colonel managed 50 T push-ups in two minutes, and I was completely destroyed. Yeah. He had done 84 regular push-ups while taking the Army's current fitness test, test just a few weeks earlier. Yeah, the, the, I, I know that's true from doing push-ups. If you, if you start up and you go down, even if you go all the way down, good, good form, touch your chest. Yeah. It's easier than start lying down. Do your first push-up from just lying completely on the ground and push yourself up. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the new push-up. Then the 200 feet... hmm. How many are you supposed to be able to do of those, does it say? I need some sort of speaking exercise. So the guy that could do 80? Four, 84. He managed 50, and he says, I was completely destroyed. Wow. Yeah. The 250-meter shuttle event requires alternately sprinting, dragging a 90-pound sled, and carrying two 40-pound kettleballs. No problem. Um, Marshall's carrying around a couple of kettleballs right now. Hey, so, hey. You, so you sprint, then you drag a 90-pound sled, then you carry two 40-pound kettleballs. Uh, here's a staff sergeant, one of many drill sergeants taking the pilot test, says he felt like a baby giraffe after the sled pull. I definitely wasn't anticipating that level of muscle fatigue, he says. That's an odd metaphor. So I don't know how baby giraffes feel. So this sounds harder than what we had before. Yes, and and again, it's predictive of how you will do in battle. The leg tuck. The fifth event in the proposed test requires lifting knees or thighs to elbows while hanging from a pull-up bar. Oh, okay. Some soldiers who can knock off pull-ups... Wait a second! Who can get their knee up to their elbow hanging from a bar? The young. No. <laughs> yes. No, your knee up here? Yes, your yeah, elbow. Yeah. It's where your arm breaks in half. Sure. That's your elbow. It's essentially a, it's the same muscles when you do a crunch. You get your elbows to your knees that way. We're going to have four people way. in our army. Our <laughs> army is going to consist of four guys who've done the P90X workout. But they're going to be shredded. Yeah. We're going to go from drop and give me 20 uh, to hang and give me 11. There's never a point in my life that I would have been able to pull my knee up to my elbow hanging from a bar. Well, you can put your thighs to your elbows if you prefer. Some soldiers struggle to do more than a handful of reps. The proposed test ends with a two a time two mile run, the only event identical to the uh, current test. What's That's... the do you know do you have the timing requirements on the two no. mile? No, I do not. Uh, Sergeant Staff Sergeant Jenna McKinney, who sounds like a girl, took the re- the recent pilot test. Says events like the sled pull would make the proposed test an easier sell. Then the current test to soldiers under her command. It's nice to be able to tell them, imagine carrying your battle buddy downrange, she says, using the Army term for being deployed overseas. Um, and it's it's motivating to the guys. They understand why they're doing that exercise, and they're super motivated, I, I guess. I wonder how many of those T push-ups are going to want out of people, because that sounds like a lot harder push-up. They are also going with a universal testing standard. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It will help legitimize women's positions in combat, says Staff Sergeant McKinney, the young woman I uh, just spoke of. Um, uh, All U.S. military jobs were open to women in 2015. Quote, there's no difference in in the modern battlefield on age or gender. A mountain is the same height for everybody. Universal scores. That's always driven my brother crazy, that they had different standards. For different people. Oh yeah, that's a it's an awful idea. And anybody who's who knows anything about the military understands why it's a terrible idea. The fact that it existed at all is an obscenity of political correctness. It's terrible. It it kills people. Uh, let's see the deadlift. It's uh, okay. 
So uh, they're thinking the change could come as soon as next year. It's a pilot program right now. What percentage of Army soldiers, Jack, would you guess? Army soldiers are classified as obese, according to an Army report. I can't believe it's any. I don't know what they consider obese. Yeah, you shouldn't be obese and be in the Army, I don't suppose. Again, though, I get back to the, if you're really good at, 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 at piloting drones from a computer terminal, I don't know how fit you have to be at all. I don't care if you're, you, you can barely walk. They wheel you in there with your 60-pound Slurpee, on a 60-ounce Slurpee. I can shoot the eye out of a gnat from 5,000 miles. Seriously, if you can do that, you can do that. I don't, I don't understand why it makes any difference, but I don't know. 5% are obese. That seems like that'd be more than you'd want it's yeah, that would be shocking jack it's actually 17 17 now i imagine they have fairly strict standards for obesity because you know nobody can come up with the universally agreed upon uh, set of standards but that's and he, pretty shocking and even if it's on like the the standard bmi index most professional athletes by that measure are obese oh yeah because it true. just takes into account height and weight the bmi but, is uh, stupid yeah. what what percentage of uh chinese soldiers are obese you guess i'm guessing zero um, Taliban. Well, they throw ISIS. them in, in, in some sort of fat prison in, in, in China. Well, it might be unfair, but that's who we're going to have to battle if we ever battle anybody. But that's unfair. You just said it. ISIS, all kinds of different <laughs> possible enemies out what there. I'm thinking they got nobody care obese. about fairness? <laughs> how, about, how about women's rights? Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Donald Trump's South Korean surprise. We've got a Rand Paul attack update. Yes. And which actor does the interweb want to see replace Kevin Spacey on House of Cards? I hope Alex you're... Alex <laughs> Alex. <laughs> comes up a lot around here. Marshall, I think you're leading. The uh, Rand Paul story needs to be who won yesterday's bet. We'll, we'll go over that. Oh, yes. Yes, I couldn't have been more wrong. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. stitches and i've never seen them removed so i'm just guessing how you're supposed to do it what what tool are you supposed to have yeah i don't want to talk about it it oogs me out i've had quite a few removed you need scissors you need uh, like uh, uh pinchers no pinchers. I, you, just, you just get uh, one of those like uh, electric turkey carvers exactly and you just go right down the seams and then uh, yeah then you're good or like leo dicaprio did it in the revenant just set yourself on fire it burns the stitches away wow Oh, yeah. Didn't it's know that, quick, too. Didn't know that was an option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Uh, President Trump continuing his Asian tour. He's in South Korea now saying efforts to curb North Korea's nuclear weapons program is front and center right now, urging the North. I really believe that it makes sense for North Korea to come to the table and to make a deal. A deal. And during today's... Which they'll then cheat on. It's just so futile. And during today's state dinner toast, the president offered up this tease. This is an exciting time, and we're going to have an exciting day tomorrow for many reasons that people will find out. There you go. Oh, tease boy. Oh, boy. Come before the storm. <laughs> <laughs> Kofefe. Right. Kofefe. He just has the showman in him, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It turns out a dispute over yard waste may be the reason for that violent attack on Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. Bingo! I knew it. I, it was a ULD from the moment I heard the story, an upscale lawn dispute. Jack thought it might be political or, oh, no, you thought it was somebody sweating on yes. somebody else's wife. Well, oh, yeah. I was hoping I was letting my wishes be the father of my thoughts. Mm. A crime I was hoping. of passion of some sort. Dad, it was a crime of passion. <laughs> and it wasn't uh, raining in his yard right. waste. Plus, he was planting pumpkins and unauthorized saplings. Stray yard clippings. Oh, my God. He was composting like some sort of hippie. Yeah. And so the, the perfectly reasonable lunatic anesthesiologist next door decided he was going to physically attack Rand Paul for it while Rand Paul was looking the other way with headphones on because he was mowing his lawn. Right. I'm not much the suing type, but if I had a wealthy neighbor do that to me, I would take a lot of his money. I'd own his house. Now, <laughs> see some neighbor with a compost heap. Take that crap to Burning Man, you hippie. Right, exactly. <laughs> How'd you like your ribs broken? Yeah, I broke six ribs. That's right, Arnold. Six. You win. Police are now saying the man accused, the next-door neighbor accused of attacking Paul, could be charged with a felony because of the senator's condition. Well, he ought to be. He caused gr- grievous bodily harm. And, and can't, you know, sucker punched him, surprised him, right. practically laying in wait to come up with somebody behind, uh, behind them like that, isn't right. it? Well, and, and I've punched people, and I've been Urgh. punched, and if you hit somebody and they die, you're guilty of a very serious crime. So results matter. Yeah, this guy's going to have the hammer come down on him. Thousands of people are now signing an online petition calling for comic actor Kevin James to replace Kevin Spacey on House of Cards. What the hell? Because the actor has to be named Kevin? What the hell is that? It's this a is change, trolling. change.org petition out there, and apparently a lot of people are jumping on board. What were the other options on the, uh, or was it a fill-in-the-blank no, sort of scenario? No, no, no. Kevin was... Bacon? <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Kevin Hart? Kevin Hart, that would be a change. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Yeah, I'm Strong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Easiest thing for House of Cards to do is just to pivot and make Robin Wright the center of the show. That seems very easy to accomplish. Robin, Wright, I, Robin I, Wright plays who? Uh, his, his wife. Oh, the okay. lovely missus. Okay. The lovely and bloodthirsty missus. I fell off the bandwagon a number of years ago. It just got... I don't you, know. you loved it in the early days. Oh, right? the, the, I couldn't have loved it more. The first season was great, and then it almost just kind of became a caricature of itself. It just got too outlandish. I might have to watch it someday. Speaking of intrigue, around sexual predators, there's a Harvey Weinstein update as the lawyer David Boys in the New York Times. Uh, if you don't know that story, that this just came out in the last hour or so. One of the lions of liber- liberal law, David Boys, is in big trouble. It would seem. And if you didn't catch this, Harvey Weinstein was more of a monster than we knew. Yeah, by a lot. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm assuming it's from somebody from Australia. In Australia, we call a sucker punch a coward's punch, and it's a, it's its own criminal act, as it ought to be. Yeah, that's a better name for it. I like it. So, speaking of scum, people of low moral standing, the Harvey Weinstein thing. Yeah, he's a, a rapist and a groper and a harasser and a threatener of women. 
Turns out, according to a blockbuster piece in the New Yorker today by uh, Ronan Farrell once again, that he also Frank spent... Frank Sinatra's uh, son. Uh, <laughs> clearly. Um, that he, uh, that Weinstein also, through the law firm of famed attorney David Boyce, hired at least three private investigation firms, including those employing former Mossad agents, Israeli intelligence agents, to investigate, discredit, threaten, etc., not only his accusers and witnesses, but journalists trying to to tell the story. And he did this specifically, or at least in part, to prevent the publication of negative news articles in the New York Times and the New Yorker. So Boys is doing this. The reason the law firm's involved, part of it, is so that they can claim it's all attorney client, client privileged when the poo hits the fan, which is just such a fake dodge. It's ridiculous. But David Boys, the famed attorney, represented Al Gore in 2000. In the big uh, electoral, the big election case, Supreme Court, right? You might not know who he is, but he's one of the most famous lawyers in America. And he runs in those uh, uh, certain circles. He's on Charlie Rose all the time, talking about whatever's going on in the world as the voice of what's good and decent in the world as a lawyer. He's a lion of the progressive, you know, American intelligentsia. L-I-O-N, the, uh, the, the, the animal. Exactly. Not like Lion Ted. Not like L-Y-I-N apostrophe. Spell it right. L-I-O-N. Like the main. Right. Exactly. Anyway, he's got a really, like a really big time rep. I mean, he's the darling of New York City, all that whole sort of stuff. So to find out that the Times is going after him is interesting. Yeah, yeah. See, so Wild Boys is managing this hit job on victims and accusers and witnesses and aggressively attacking the journalists of the New York Times, he's also the New York Times' own lawyer. And the New York Times is pissed. He was representing, uh, well, anyway, I won't get into those particulars, but the Times says, quote, we learned today that the law firm of Boys, Schiller, and Flexner secretly worked to stop our reporting on Harvey Weinstein at the same time as the firm's lawyers were representing us in other matters. We consider this intolerable conduct a, conduct, a grave betrayal of trust, and a breach of the basic professional standards that all lawyers are required to observe. It is inexcusable, and we will be pursuing appropriate remedies. Wow. Yeah. In his own backyard. Yeah. Now, boys. Newspaper he's probably read every day of his life. Yeah, no kidding. Coming after him. And boys is trying to claim, well, we just, we didn't know what anybody was doing. We just, they asked us to hire some companies, so we just did it, but we didn't know what they were doing. We shouldn't have done it, I guess, but we didn't know anything. We knew nothing that was going on. New York Times not buying it. Neither should anybody else above the age of 12 years old. Boy, that's wild. Uh, Weinstein is a monster. Yeah, Boys is a monster. These uh, these uh, you know spook agencies they hired the level to of- terrify rapists out of testifying. God, I hope there's a hell or journalists for reporting on it. Well, right, yeah, I hope there's a hell, and I hope they're headed there. Yeah, the amount of deceit that these agencies went through and you know, practically creating these kind of false front businesses to, oh, no, this is the organization that I'm representing, making these false websites. It was the, the specifics are really interesting. The amount of time and effort and money you're putting into your I get to keep raping women lifestyle. Yeah. 
Jeez. This one uh, gal, former Mossad agent who we're profiling, worked for one of these spook shops, and she was masquerading as a women's rights advocate and targeted Rose McGowan, among others. She would reach out to them, uh, befriend them, tell them she had a similar story. I want you to speak at my women's rights conference. I'm launching an initiative to stamp out harassment and rape in the workplace. And then she would record their conversations to try to get dirt. Uh, meanwhile, you got other spooks researching people's sexual history so they can be discredited and ruined or made to be looked uh, look like maniacs, all to protect Harvey Rapestein. God, and it's, you know, he wrote, I think the uh, Atlanta or the New Yorker piece said um, his his bill for the this one uh, company called The Black Cube, well, that sounds completely innocent, um, is 600 grand. He paid six hundred grand to this one company alone, so really willing to invest in protecting his rapey lifestyle with additional bonuses of payments. Were these stories successfully stonewalled? Right, he would give them more money. Were they successful at it? Right. Well, that's just smart. I wonder what he, uh, what kind of dirt he'd dig up on a journalist and say, "You want to report this story? This is coming out." I wonder what they'd come up with. Yeah, and they just uh, they uh, employed countermeasures where they would. Figure out who the journalist was talking to, what they were hearing, and then cook up fake people to counter it and and or make the original uh, testimony seem incredible or that person seem crazy. It's a huge effort. And remember, Rapey Wood knew. They found their conscience. And listen, he was a powerful man who ruined people. They found their conscience when it was all out. New York Times... Going after their own lawyer. Who are they going to hire to go after him? That's going to be quite the titanic battle. Mm. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.